This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 308, submission number 257, Mind Readers. Mind Readers aired on NBC from August 13th, 1979 to January 11th, 1980 for 109 episodes. Are you a mind reader? Yes or no? Will Charles Nelson Riley say yes? Did Sarah Purcell say no? Find out as we play a game of Punk and ESP Mind Reader. And now here's the star of Mind Reader, Dick Martin. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful. Wow. In the 1970s, specifically the late 1970s, one of the biggest fads out there was supernatural stuff in the sense of like ESP and Sixth Senses. I mean, if you think of people like Yuri Geller, the amazing Randy, the amazing Kreskin, these yeah, are names but, that sound familiar, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yuri Geller was the guy with the spoons. The Amazing Kreskid was the uh, comic. And The Amazing Randy was a giant skeptic who outed some shysters. Did Yuri Geller have anything else but the spoon trick? No. And no. I, no, this is, and this is a 100% honest story. He had an infomercial. This is probably about 1990 or 91. I remember that infomercial. Okay. I'm dead serious about this. My family, we, in summer of 1991, we took a little trip uh, for, for colleges for me because that was right before my senior year of high school in summer of around July of, of 1991. And we were in Cincinnati for Fourth of July weekend. And uh, there was some bad weather. So we were pretty much confined to the hotel the entire time. Right. And I'm not kidding. My sister, who would have been uh, like 11 at the time, she took a spoon and she started doing his bend, bend, bend. And she actually bent the spoon in the hotel restaurant. And my parents are like, what the f*** are you doing? Stop that right now. And she's like, but I just made the spoon bend. Now, I think his was more like a, a visual effect because, you know, he held it kind of like loosely. But my sister actually spent the spoon at like a 90 degree angle. And my dad was like livid. And my mom's like, you're going to get us thrown out of this hotel. Absolutely. And I'm sitting there the whole time. I'm like, you just nailed that infomercial. Go, sister, go. Something we remember from, like I said, 1990 or so. There's a true infomercial with Yuri Geller. But, okay. All he had was the stupid spoon trick. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's not impressive at all. That isn't impressive at all. 
He got a full infomercial out of it back in 1990. There had to be 30 minutes of a guy, man. Who cares? That ain't impressive. 30 minutes in late nights or weekend afternoons when. How would my my sister have seen it at age 10 or 11 if it aired in the middle of the night? No, this is on in weekdays. Ben, Ben, Ben. One trick. One He's trick. He's a one trick pony. One trick, yes. That's yeah, it. Yeah, but you know what? It was such a great trick. My 11 year old sister recreated it in the hotel, and my mom nearly killed her. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Make, like, a man disappear and turn him to a tiger, like Ric Flair did as the black scorpion. You made a deal! You told him he could show you his black magic! I'm letting him do his stuff! Fine, let him do it! Watch me sting. Keep him back dangerously. Remember the green. Throwing him in the cage! Yes, the cage. Watch now sting. Watch for Now hold it, hold it! You promised him! Watch very closely sting. I'll show you powers you never knew I possess. Ah! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Whoa, whoa! Imagine now you I made him a deal! Do. You made him a deal! What, the, what is he? What is this? My hey, I am not going to stand for this. I'm going to jump stay. down there in a second. I don't Did care about the rules, Polly. You made him a deal! Yeah, I don't Catch me. Hey, will you, hey, Catch get back here! Catch me if you can. Stay. Get back here! Maybe the Stargate, you have a chance. <laughs> what in the world? Where did he go? Are you saying that Ric Flair is a better magician or illusionist than Yuri Geller? Yes, I'm yes. saying it. Ric Flair is a better magician than Yuri Geller. He turned a man into a tiger. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. What hey, did you, I you, walk into? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. But you, you remember like three, four minutes ago, I said that, you know, the, the late 70s was big on ESP and Sixth Sense type of stuff and Supernatural type of stuff. And then we yep. started talking about Yuri Geller being a giant fraud. So yep. Yeah. There was a basis for this TV show actually airing because of the popularity of that, of of psychics and and mind reading and and somebody at NBC and also at Goodson Todman said, hey, let's capitalize on this craze and put this show mind readers on the air. And then somebody said, you're crazy, but okay. I'm guessing that somebody was still Fred Silverman at the time. Well, it had to be because, again, this is 79, and I know Fred Silverman didn't like his game shows. I mean, we know what happened in 1980 to Hollywood Squares and Chain Reaction and High Rollers. But, yeah, he must have greenlit this, especially, again, since we're talking about 79, we know how bad NBC was in 79. Maybe they were that desperate in trying to generate some sort of talk or popularity based on this fad i mean that's what i'm going to call it i'm going to call it a fad because you know really esp you know we we haven't heard much of it the last let's say 30 years or so but again talking about the amazing kreskin and 
I know, and again, this is another sister thing, and this must have been about the same time, probably about 1990 or so, she actually bought a board game, the Amazing Kreskin's ESP game. So maybe my sister had something that she liked about ESP and and uh, the, the, the supernatural and stuff like that. I don't know, but in my basement, I've got her copy of Kreskin's ESP game from like the mid to late 60s. Who knows? But yeah, uh, NBC, desperate as they were, took a chance on this and 109 episodes. We talked about it. Yeah, here's a fun fact, though. It was on the air for 109 episodes, which translates to roughly 22 weeks with an episode missing for some reason. It was supposed to be on the air for 26. Well, maybe that shows how bad it was. Well, I'm going to guess 22 weeks minus the one episode. You got to figure it's probably Christmas or New Year's Day. Because, again, you said it lasted until January 11th, 1980. Bet you it got preempted for New Year's Day. Or Christmas for uh, for parades, or some combination therein. Yes, some Christmas New Year's parade combo, because it did run into uh, Christmas and New Year's right before it was canceled. Well, and also you got Thanksgiving too. So I'm sure we can find six episodes or six days that episodes wouldn't have aired, and it, it makes sense. I'm sure. It's highly doubtful there's actually a lost episode making 109. Well, no, they are all lost, I believe, minus a handful, but it should be lost. <laughs> it's not a good show. It's not as good like the Yuri Geller spoon trick. It sucks. It was terrible. Hey, you know, the Yuri Geller spoon trick was still good enough <laughs> for an, a half an hour infomercial. So the game itself, it's kind of basic, but also, again, it's kind of stupid. There's really no basis. It's almost like dumb luck uh, and maybe even a little bit of analysis, a little bit of psychology, if you think about it. But what you had, you had two celebrities, and on each team, you had three civilian players. So you had four players on each side. And a question was read with two responses. Yeah, it could be a yes or no or yeah, true or false, you know, in terms of somebody's beliefs. But there are only two responses, so it was not open-ended. Each of the three contestants locked in their answers, yes or no answers, on like a keypad. And for every correct answer, the team won $50. However, if the prediction was wrong the opposing team won the $50. And after one team played their question with the three players, control went to the other side. And I do believe this was a battle of the sexes. I believe the men played with the male celebrity. The females played with a female celebrity. Oh, I can't stand that. Again, this is 1979. Shows back then weren't... Do I want to use the word woke here? But yeah, a battle of the sexes. I, I get your frustration and why you don't like that. So after one team played the question with the three players, it went to the other side, lather, rinse, repeat. And the first team to get to $300, they went on to the bonus round. And I'm going to just say, based on what they've shown of the few episodes that are out there, 
if the first team gets to $300, the second team doesn't get a chance to match or beat it. It's game over, I do believe. Highly unfair. It's sort of like Joker's Wild. You remember on the Joker's Wild? Okay, you've got $500. We're going to give the other person one chance to uh, to match or beat $500. Yes. That rule's not in place here. Oh, God. Again, as far as I know. So that's like a major flaw in my opinion. So after uh, somebody hits $300 or after one team hits $300, they go to a two-part bonus round. The first part is called Judge the Jury. And what happens is each of the three contestants, one by one, they play a game involving 10 members of the studio audience where a question is read and they have some sort of control pad on uh, talking about the audience members have a control pad where presumably they press either yes or no. I think it's all yes or no questions. Again, not open-ended. It's yes or no only. Kind of like uh, Card Sharks, uh, the 86 version. With yes or no questions. Oh, yeah, with the surveys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's okay. Actually, it, it's sort of coincidental you mentioned that. So, yeah, it, it's a yes or no question. And what the idea is, is the contestant has to guess how many people in the jury of 10 how many answered yes or no to that question? I think it's primarily yes, but regardless, how many answered a certain way? If the guess was on the nose, the team won $500. If they were off by up to two, either high or low, so they had a range of five here they could have played with, uh, they got $200. And if they're outside of that spread of five, they earn nothing. So hypothetically, the most uh, they could earn in this first part of the game is $1,500. Okay. So that's the first part. They're playing the judge of the jury, playing with the 10 studio audience members. But then the second part is called Celebrity Turnabout. Didn't we talk about Turnabout? What is with NBC and Turnabouts in 1979? I couldn't tell you. Where's John Shook to tell us that this is outrageous? That's outrageous! Yeah. Another turnabout on a very short-lived NBC show in 1979. That's the outrageous part. So then the winning team, the three members, kind of play mind readers, trying to predict what the celebrity says. And the way they do that, again, it's a yes or no question and majority rules. So once two out of the three civilian players say, hey, we think the celebrity is going to say yes, or we think the celebrity is going to say no. That's it. So th there is no uh, dissenting vote there. It's, it's majority rules. And if they predict correctly what the celebrity says, they win 10 times what they won in the judge of the jury part. So hypothetically, maximum of $15,000. That's a lot of money for such little work. Well, it's a lot of work. And also, I get why you're saying that's a little money, because the money is split three ways among the team members. So, I mean, they could win, what, if they play it perfectly, which admittedly is next to impossible, they could win, what, about uh, $5,100 a piece, because they would win the 300 from the main game, 
split three ways, so $100 a piece. And then they'd split the $15,000 three ways, so that's $5,000. So yeah, they could win $5,100. But again, they have to play absolutely perfectly. Uh And the rule of the show was that each team played three games. After three games, you're gone, win or lose. There's no returning champions in the the form of other TV shows. You play three games, which may last, I'm going to guess, probably about an episode and a half to two episodes. So maybe they got three teams for the entire week or three matches for the entire week, six teams. And obviously, based on that, the most you could win is $45,900, 15,300 times times three. And again, unfortunately, because the show is essentially gone, we really only know what happened on a handful of episodes. I think there's maybe two regular episodes out there, and there's the pilot. And the pilot, since we sort of alluded to this on the last episode, this pilot, the Mind Readers pilot, aired during Buzzer's Lost and Found Week last year. And that's actually sort of the inspiration as to why we are doing this episode and split personality because we were sort of anticipating lost and found around this time of the year. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's, it hasn't happened yet or has, is not going to happen, but still a year ago, we wanted to talk about these two shows at this time of the year to commemorate lost and found. And really the only redeeming quality this show has, in my opinion, I think it is one of the most colorful sets of any game show ever. Look at the image we have for the art this week. I think that's so colorful. I think that's so bright. Obviously, you know, color TVs were pretty mainstream in 1979. And the thing of it is, because a color TV was in every home now, and for the last 15 or so years, we've been so used to monochromatic. We needed something bright and colorful in order to get the show on air. So the Mind Readers set needed to be really, really out there. And you would see this in shades of other shows that were airing at the time. As beautiful as the set was, like I said, it's very colorful, very beautiful, a real nice sight. It sort of gets kind of lost in the shuffle because of the host, Dick Martin, who, bless him, he's trying. Let's say that. I like that. I like that a lot. I I figured you'd like that phrasing, because if you look at Dick Martin's hosting resume for game shows, as far as I know, there's only three, and really only two have shows that exist. I could be wrong. But I believe the only shows he hosted were The Cheap Show. And I think that's going to be a future entry because I'm pretty sure that's on the list. And then he hosted this. And then he hosted Ultra Quiz with Dan Rowan in 1981. Which is, the, uh, of course, the American version of The Japanese Show. Yeah. So this was really... For lack of a better phrase, his only traditional game show? Because 
really the, the Ultra Quiz was not a studio game show. It's basically what would happen if The Amazing Race was a quiz show, a straight quiz, with the ultimate humiliation being left on the tarmac. I think that's a great uh, description. But also, if we talk about the cheap show, yes, it's a game show at its core, but it really was a farce upon itself. It wasn't taken seriously. Especially when you have the first round and the second round are worth one point apiece, and the third round is worth 20 points. And you thought scoring on the new Pictionary was bad. That's some flaw. Well, that's purposely flawed scoring because, again, it's a farce. It's making fun of the genre in itself. But the new Pictionary scoring, no, that, that's that's no bueno. It, it's like it's got golden snitches in there. Well, maybe not golden snitches in the sense of what a golden snitch is. But, yeah, you, you can't be playing for like 100 points. And then, oh, hey, we're going to make the last three questions or, or words worth a thousand points each. I don't no, like Jerry, it. what are you doing, Jerry? Stop, Jerry. No, no, it's not Jerry's fault. It's it's the game creator's fault. Jerry's just the MC. Jerry O'Connell is good MC. But yeah, Dick Martin, as I said, God bless him, he tried. Can't say he tried hard, but he definitely tried. But now the schedule. And this is not good if you're mind readers. Not just the competition it's going up against, but when it aired. It aired in the traditional death slot. Yep. Noon. 12 o'clock noon. When it occasionally got preempted by news. And if it didn't get preempted by news, odds are it was going up against the local news. But if that wasn't bad enough, on CBS, at least at that time, the network feed, some little show called The Young and the Restless. Never heard of it. Yeah, that's one reason why it got killed. But do you want a second reason why it got killed on ABC? The $20,000 Pyramid. But still, two huge shows going against little weak mind readers. I mean, we're talking about two shows that in one form or another, talking specifically about Pyramid in one form or another, still airs now 43 years later. I mean, Young and the Restless, that's been continuously airing since 73. But Pyramid, you can't hold a bad show down. Nope. It came back in 82, left in 88, came back in 88, then left again in 88. Hey, it came back in syndication as $100,000 Pyramid in 1990 or 91. Then it left, but then it came back with Donny Osmond. 20 years ago as we record this. My gosh, you just made me feel old. Donny Osmond's Pyramid is 20 years old. That's oh, mind-blowing. Hold on, guys. You didn't mention who hosted the 1990s version. Shadow? Say it. Did he make a vow on the first episode of that show like he did on another show he was on? Oh! You know what? I want to hear what John Davidson has to say about Mind Readers. We plan to be here for a very long time. Mr. Taxidermist? Rebuttal? Nope. So, 
the Donny Osmond pyramid, it came back in 2002, left in 2004. Then it came back on GSN. Oh my gosh, this is almost 10 years ago that pyramid started on GSN. Yeah, but that we don't talk- think 2013. Yeah, but we don't talk about who hosted that. So no, we're not going to sing the song that we would sing about people we don't want to talk about. No, no, no. We're just going to keep it at that. And we're going to look at the glory days right now since 2016 with Michael Strahan at the helm. And some would argue that the pyramid has never been better. And again, proof that you can't keep a good show down. So yeah, Young and the Restless $20,000 Pyramid and going up against the local news. Mind Reader's chances. Well, let's play Mind Reader's right now. And I'm actually going to use my Factor Fiction cards and I want to see how you guys play this. Okay? Okay. So, Factor Fiction. Mind Reader's was dead in the water when it premiered in late 79. What do you guys say? Factor Fiction. Fact or fiction? It's a fact. Greg, what do you say? Oh, hell yes, it's a fact. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it was fiction. I think it should have ran for 20 years. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I said it was a fact. You guys won. We're mind readers. Yay! Yay! What do I win? Uh, you win the opportunity next week to talk about two new shows. But we'll talk about that later. We talked earlier about how the judge the jury round in the bonus game was similar to Card Sharks' questions in 1986 with the panel of 10 people, 10 civilians. There's kind of a coincidence there because both shows, Card Sharks and Mind Readers, both had Mimi O'Brien producing. With that out of the way, yeah, Mind Readers... They tried. Even in 1986, these questions were a little bit uh, too much of a deviation from the norm for card sharks. And for that reason, mind readers in 1979, trying to capitalize on a big craze with a known personality as a host, even though that person was a little rough around the edges as a host, it was just a thing on TV. But it was a very colorful thing on TV. It was very, oh, again, beautiful set. Very colorful. I like the vein scoreboards they had. Looked really nice for 1979 compared to the flippy numbers and whatnot and the dot matrix uh, uh, numbers. But yeah, it just uh, was a a thing on TV that uh, mercifully didn't last terribly long. You know what else doesn't last terribly long? What's that? Listening to every one of the 307 previous episodes that we've covered here on It Was a Thing on TV. Now, I want to make a correction to what Chico has been saying about 307 good episodes or, or you know, one less than the episode oh. number of good episodes. Oh, time out. Let's play the corrections music. isn't really a correction but it is a correction actually chico you keep saying you know whatever our episode number is like this is 308 and you say we had 307 other good shows that you can listen to and it was a thing on tv.com yeah 
I don't really think we should be adding Rip Taylor in time to that. So there's 306 good episodes. <laughs> it was a thing on no, TV.com. No, time out. We could add Meow Manor to that. So it's 305 good episodes. <laughs> there you go. I, I think but... we can even edit it down a little bit more. There's been a couple of stinkers that we had. I'm looking at you, Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show. Let's just say 300, just conservatively. There's there are, okay, so there are 300 really good episodes and seven really bad ones. Nah, you know what? I think maybe 285 is a better number. <laughs> just, there's a lot of good episodes there. You can find them all for yourself at it was a thing on TV.com. And obviously, we're on social media everywhere. We're on Facebook, albeit at it was a thing on TV podcast, because apparently Mark Zuckerberg was a mind reader and said, no, you're not getting it was a thing on TV. We're going to make you put this extra word on because ha ha ha. But also, again, YouTube, it was a thing on TV. Twitter, at it was a thing on TV. Instagram, at it was a thing on TV. Please don't forget on YouTube, hit the bell, stay subscribed to uh, our updates, like the episodes, feel free to comment. And yeah, like I said, ring that bell. And that will keep you up to date with everything that's going on with our podcast next week. Oh, next week, guys, I'm going to talk about the second episode first because we're revisiting another show. We've revisited Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. That was episode 100. We revisited Manimal. That was episode 299. We revisited Auto Man for episode 300 just uh, about a month or so ago. 310, we're revisiting a fourth episode. Yes, and this was something we reviewed in episode 31. So 31, yeah. 310. Do the math. Yeah, we multiply it by 10. That was the logic uh, behind this episode number. Not going to say what it is. Obviously, you can do the research and see what we covered in episode 31, and it makes sense once you see it. But before that, in episode 309, we go to the mid-80s and, oh boy, I remember this one vaguely from my childhood. This one didn't last long and this one's a stinker. Oh, yeah. But it didn't harm the career of its star. Oh, no. By no means did it hurt the star. But, yeah, the series just didn't run that long. And, actually, I think the star would have actually... This would have been his first big break, if you will, I believe. Well, it's his first TV role because he actually had a nomination for an Academy Award for an earlier role. But on television, this was perhaps his first, maybe his only credit. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that he had other credits, but... This was his first, so if you want to start somewhere, you can start here. And also, one of this person's co-stars would hit it big about a year and a half later on the same network. Now that I got you guys thinking, saying, Who, what co-star in the mid-80s went on to bigger things on the same network about 18 months later? And also, hey, in addition to episodes 309 and 310 next week, we have a very... Very special live show coming up. Oh, for live show 25, we went all out for this live show. It is something that's going to be very special. 
Hey, Mike, Chico, do you want to make a run for McDonald's? Well, I can't because I, I, I'm on a diet. I've oh, been losing yeah. weight. And and my little, my Nugenics monitor hasn't gone off because uh, I've been a very good boy in terms um, of blood sugar. Good for so, you. So, so no Coke for you? No, I, I don't drink any soda oh, now. But no, I, I, I know there there's a place you're going with this, but I'm not falling into that trap. Because seriously, and this is not a joke, I've lost like 25 pounds in the last month and a half. Oh, no. Yeah, it's true. Yes. But Mike, let's just hope you don't get sucked into a vacuum cleaner. Oh, boy. oh Well, you know, I, there's worse things that could happen. Like when I'm in my wheelchair, I could fall down a hill into a ravine. Oh, and, no. And then some weird alien creature will look at you like, oh. <gasps> Uh, that's called banoodles. She'll look at me and be like, "Ah, my my master fell over. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free." <gasps> uh, but, but yeah, but... so that's next week. Three oh nine, three ten, live show twenty five. We got a ton of stuff coming your way right here. At it was the thing on TV. As always, thank you so much for listening to us. Keep telling people uh, about our show and. We will be here next week with three fresh new episodes. Give us a roar, Greg. Roar! Say goodnight, Dick. Good night, Dick. Good night to all of you, and thanks from all of us.